eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina's On The Beat. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's John Bowman. That is, wait a minute now. You're moving stuff around, John. You're confusing oh, me. Sorry. That's, that's Adam Smith. No glasses, Adam Smith. Didn't even recognize you, man. Got the contacts on, baby. Nice. I, I need some bifocal contacts. I'm at that age, so I have to wear these $20 readers. And then, of course, Evan Rogers, the young and upcoming star <laughs> of this show. We bring him in. Jeremiah, on assignment in Charlotte. If you have not taken a second to check out Inside Carolina's coverage, women's ACC basketball media day today in Charlotte. Jeremiah, all over it. Tomorrow, Adam will be on his way to join Jeremiah in Charlotte for complete coverage of the men's side of things. They do it a little differently. Um, so they, they split it up. They do it together, but split it up. So women's today, coverage all over inside Carolina. Tomorrow, the men's. Of course, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. The sponsor, the title sponsor of this podcast. Adam, uh, the first comment in chat was this. I hope you all can talk me off the ledge. This team is different. That this team is different from last year's team. I'm, I'm going to say uh, it felt like it was different until Saturday night. Is there any cause for concern or is it just a one-off? <laughs> oh, God. How long do we have? Uh, um... <laughs> One hour. <laughs> it sounded like a. Uh, it sounded like we were leading into a Dabo Sweeney uh, suicide watch comment. Uh, <laughs> whoever that was talked me off the ledge. Um, oh God, I see Ross Martin in the chat. Look at this. Um, oh my Lanta! Don't get flustered. Don't business get flustered. Business is picking up. Uh, goodness, <laughs> must gracious. be boring and pretty boring time up there in Ann Arbor, Ross. Hey, I got to tell you, I, I'm sure you know this. Wait I mean, a minute, Ross- is he still in signs for Clemson? 
Is he scouting <laughs> early and stealing signs? <laughs> he was guarding Phil Longo. He was impersonating Jefferson Boaz and, and protecting Phil Longo when Longo was calling the plays. Uh, you got to give Ross credit. The guy is uh, consuming IC products all the way in the great white north. Always, he's always hitting me and John up, um, you know, telling us, giving us a breakdown of the podcast. Um, you know, I do get a little upset when he doesn't read my stories, but he's never going to read my stories. That's okay. As long as he just read, listens to the podcast, that's fine. I'm still waiting on him to read the Tamari Fox story. He's not going to do it. Um, that's he's just not going to do it. Um, but that might be the best one you've done. Well, I it was, it's it. up there. Uh, man, I mean, yeah, I think it's calls for concern. I mean, can I say both? I think it could be a, they can make it a one off. Um, but. You know, it was interesting. I, I, you know, we were all there Monday, and Mac is rolling through that. You know, the list of teams they're no longer unbeaten, obviously. And he says, you know, UNC is one of ten one-loss teams uh, in Power Five, which is true. And he's saying, and you know, here are some of the teams: Texas, Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Penn State, and that, that's all well and good. It's completely true. But those teams lost to some real heavy hitters. You know, Oregon lost to Washington. Um, Alabama lost to Texas. Texas lost to Oklahoma on the final play of the game. I mean, these are all, like, heavyweights. And they didn't lose to one in five Virginia at home as a 23-and-a-half point, 24-point favorite. Um, so, you know, he left that part out, which, you know, I was that's what I was thinking as he was saying it. But um, I don't know. I mean, you, you got to hit the reset button here, don't you? Like um, – Full reset now, do you think, Tommy? What Absolutely. would you say? Well, I, I think that, you know, it, it always caught me, and, and I want to get both of y'all's opinion this. It always – coach them hard after a, a win, right? You, you bust their rear ends after they win. It's always easier to do that. But I'm around teenagers. I'm around college-age students a lot. Um, it, it's hard to get it through their heads that if you don't do it the correct way, you're going to lose. And, you know, you can coach me hard after the Miami game and say, we weren't good here, here, and here, and here. And what's my immediate thought? We beat Miami, coach. And so I think as far as the reset button, that's where it comes in in a game like this, a game that Virginia, to their credit, they came in ready to play. Right. And they did, and they did what they had to do. And, look, I'll, I'll freely admit it beforehand – it was tough for me to be anti-Virginia what that program's gone through. And so I wasn't going to bash them and say they sucked and all that stuff that a lot of people did. And then they came in there and proved they didn't suck, you know, and they beat North Carolina. So, yes, Adam, I think it's a complete reset and it's a complete wake-up call for a program that can make it a one-off. If they won't, if they do it the right way, they can make that a one-off Going to Atlanta is not an easy place to do that. Evan, get in here. You're muted, man. You, you don't need to <laughs> mute. You know, you don't breathe heavy. You're not old, too old. And, and where you, like, murmur and, you know, grumble when we're talking. Evan, you're one of those guys. You're one of this young crowd. Can, <laughs> can you truly get it? Can you truly get it until it actually steps up and smacks you in the face? Probably. I mean, honestly, no. I mean, I think – you know, all the things that Cedric and Drake and Corey talked about and, and cautioned about through the week, 
at the end of the day, you don't really know if it's, you know, just coaches speak or something along those lines, or if it's something that really resonates. And I think it's, it takes a loss to a team like Virginia for sometimes for the messages and the reality to sink in. And I think it's interesting. Um, I remember early on in the game, I think it was the first quarter I leaned over to Adam after maybe a drive or two on offense, um, after some of those early deep shots UNC were taken. And I was like, is, is UNC getting too fat and happy in terms of, you know, they've got Tez Walker back. They they have this inferior opponent on the outside looking in. This could, could appear to be a game to, to quote unquote, get Drake May's stats up in terms of accolades and along those lines. So I was really interested in that. So I went back and looked and on passes of 20 yards or more down the field, Drake was three of 11 on Saturday night, 27%. And if you if you go through week by week, how many twenty plus passing attempts Drake has? It goes six three nine five six four. So outside of that Minnesota game where he threw nine deep balls, which was the first game Nate McCollum was kind of fully incorporated in there, Saturday night was almost double the amount of deep passing attempts Drake may had throughout the year, and maxed it on Monday that one of the goals of the week was to get Amari Hampton the ball. And when you see those numbers, it makes you really question what was the plan? What was the mindset coming into this game? And tell them about UVA's rushing defense. Tell them. them. I mean, you told them in the opponent preview, but remind them. Right. I mean, that was statistically the second worst rushing defense in the conference. Um, Giving up over 200 plus yards a game. Uh, and Saturday night, UNC ran for 143 yards on 29 attempts. Uh, for comparison, William and Mary ran for 147 yards on the ground two weeks prior. So there's a lot of things. Yeah. So there, there were a lot of things when you go back and look at this game, I think are really good points of reflection from both the players and a coaching standpoint. And it's going to be interesting in terms of, is this a one-off or is this something that they can bounce back from? I'm, kind of a, a dumb answer but i really don't know and we're going to find out on saturday i mean i think it's cliche to say but saturday is going to be the most revealing game up to this point in the season you're really going to learn a lot about what this team is made of and what this team can potentially do because as they've been saying this whole week every goal they had at the beginning of the year is still on the table which is true but if you lose on saturday those goals are probably gone Oh, it might be bad if they lose Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's already bad, but um, I'm gonna go ahead and tell folks, tell y'all, I hadn't mentioned it. Tuesday is Halloween. I don't know if we're doing a Halloween on the beat. We might have to do it either Monday night or Wednesday night. Um, we've got to do it, or we will get fined. But I don't think it's gonna be Tuesday night. Um, and if they lose, I might be on Frank Street Tuesday night, reliving the glory days. Uh, do they still do that up there? Do they still have Halloween on Franklin Street? Good Lord, there was, you know, I thank God that my children are in an environment where they're fairly safe because if they were in the environment where we grew up in Chapel Hill times, I'm not sure how we're all here to this day, to be honest with you, but uh, I digress. Of my life, I have lived 40 plus years. <laughs> the worst night of my life to this point, hope, hope it stays that way, was Halloween 1998. Um on franklin street and uh it was worst night of my life so anyway continue tommy yeah, no, the, i was trying tease. to think no i can't do it i mean that's there were the tease story time involved. i mean it was not good uh 
It was not good. <laughs> like like uh, Garrett says in the chat, back in my day. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that there was a lot of – one of the funniest stories, and I'll tell it real quick. There was two. There was somebody that was dressed up as the Brooklyn Bridge um, with a friend of theirs. And they had like a refrigerator box, and it was probably six or so feet between them. But it was nice. They, they spent a lot of time doing that. Did not make it through the night. Um, got karate chopped down by a friend of mine who's who's very prominent now. I won't call a name. And then uh, you remember Fruit of the Loom, the fruits, like the apple and the whatever, but somebody the was the grape. Yes. Yeah, yeah, whiteys Somebody was a great, the grapes, a batch of grapes. Those balloons didn't make it through the night. It was just a – thank God it did not have cell phones back then with cameras. It would have been ugly. Uh, but but anyway, let's get us back on course. To the point about rushing the ball, and this is – Back to rushing. Yeah, back to running the ball. I, I don't want to belabor last week because I think they've moved on. But, Evan, to your point, Virginia ran it 54 times. And until that game, North Carolina had was – doing a great job at stopping the run. Virginia obviously saw something that they could exploit, and they did it repeatedly. That's the question I asked Chip Lindsey. Um, you know, we all screaming, give a Murray in the ball, give him a, give a Murray in the ball. Is it that easy to just change everything up? And he said, no, you got to be who you are. And I said, you know, um, you know, is that because the players do this all week? And he said, yeah, exactly. You know, we can't just switch up midstream. But, Adam, they did that against Minnesota in the second half against Minnesota, fourth quarter against Minnesota. Salted it the game away. And just ran it down their throats. And that's what's the frustrating part watching this team. Yeah, the Mia couples after the fact are fine. But at some point, and this is on Mac, and he said it, over under on how many times they said it's on me between the three of them. I think it was 12 plus. But Adam, they just did not adjust to the things that were working. And that is mind blowing. That's what worries people the most because we've seen it before last year. Yeah, it's um, if you really, you know, you cover in the game, you, you guys, you and John were out there in the crowd and we're up there in the press box and, you know, you're kind of surprised that it's happening. And then when it happens and you sort of take a step back, it's all very, pretty shocking, honestly, to think about it. Uh, that that uh, I think it was tw- two and a half minutes into the second half. UNC scored to go up 24-14. Omarion Hampton had 102 yards rushing at that point. And this was like two and a half minutes into the second half, three minutes into the second half, like 12-minute mark of the third quarter. He was at 102. I mean, he's on pace for 200 at that point. He carried the ball three more times the rest of the game. Now, obviously, UVA's UVA ball controlled him. Um, that has a lot to do, you know, with limiting your opportunities. And then at a certain point, you're behind and you're trying to catch up. But yeah, it was uh, it's pretty wild to think about. I'm still it's today's Tuesday, and I'm still it's still kind of crazy to think this dude ran for 197 on Miami. Um, you know, like it's he's the leading rusher in the ACC. He's one of the leading rushers in the country. Um, I, it's 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 hard to put a finger on it. I, I saw someone in the chat say, "I don't want to see another pass on first down." Um, I just I, I felt like the where it all crystallized, you know, was was the drive where. And correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but I think it was after 
Hollins fumbles out of the end zone for the touchback. And Carolina, and it looked like Carolina was done for there. But, oh, my God, they've got this new life. They're still only down four. I think it was 450. Yep, I got it right here. 450. Yes. 33-yard pass to Doc Chapman on first down. 29-yard pass to Tez Walker. They have gone from their own 20 to Virginia's 18-yard line. And at that point, I remember, like, it's it's great covering games with Jeremiah and Evan because, I mean, we just have a fantastic just conversation going up there. And at that point, first and 10 on the Virginia 18, I was like, well, they're going to win this game, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the, the football gods had gave them the Hollins fumble on the goal line out of the inside. I just felt like that was like a, a football gods moment, you know, where it's just like, okay, Carolina's going to stay unbeaten. Carolina's going to be ninth or eighth in the country. They're going to get out of this thing. It's going to be a lesson, and they're going to keep on rolling. But what was it, Evan? Four incompletions from the first and 10? Oh, no, no. No, it was, a, it, was a, it was an RPO on the first down. And yeah. if you go back and watch it, um, Marion had a hole on the left side. I, I mean, I think Drake said he might score in that play. And if you go back and watch, I don't know if he does that. But I definitely think it's potentially a four, five, six-yard gain. It was interesting. You had mentioned that, that point in the game where they went up think 10 points a little into there the third quarter um from that point on amarian had three carries the rest right. of the game uh-huh. and talking about the idea of not changing your game plan and you kind of have to just go with the, what you you are and what you've prepped throughout the week the one game that i actually remember when they kind of shifted gears was that app state game after halftime of that game mac had kind of mentioned like we just need to start running the ball in. And in the second half, mm-hmm. and I guess in the overtime periods, which I know is a little bit extra time for Amar to get carries, he had 18 carries against App State in that time period when they really kind of focused on getting him involved. Mm-hmm. So just across the board, it's it's kind of something that I think is going to have a lot of people scratching their head for, for a long time. It, it Adam, cannot happen again. That's the thing. If it happens again, like Jason Staples said, it was a, a systematic failure across the board. And I think Jason said it in another thing is you can stink in one phase of the game and still win. You can sometimes stink in two, uh, but you can't stink in all three in college football. And Carolina managed to stink in all three and had a rough coaching night. That is the recipe for losing to a Virginia team that had only beat William and Mary. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I definitely did want to hit on the special teams. Just to close out the thought, Adam, you were talking about Drake May in the fourth quarter as well. I think this game really eroded, for me, Drake's sense of invincibility or inevitableness in the fourth quarter. You think about Drake, he started out at UNC 6-0 and in one-score games. And last year, early on in the season, he was just so dynamite in those moments. You think about driving the ball down the field against Duke. Yep. Um, but since that 6-0 and start, he's now 1-4 in one score games. And of course, now that's not totally all on, on Drake. There's a number of different factors there, but when we started out and we were watching Drake, it just felt like every single time in those late game scenarios, he would deliver. And he did the first six times. Now it feels like he's come back down to earth a little bit. I thought the same thing. I thought that last drive that they were going to take the ball down and, you know, to have a truly special season, you need a few breaks to go your way along the way. And that would have been the break of all breaks, that fumble out of the end zone for Virginia. You know, for North Carolina to go to the college football playoff, that's the sort of thing that you probably need to have happen once throughout the year. 
Um, and, and they just didn't get it done in, in, in the fourth quarter and, and on that last drive. And you end up with a very tight loss. John, great stat. I don't know if TA, you got any graphics where you can like do confetti or something? <laughs> I, I don't know. John, I'm sitting there thinking. That about the one score Drake may. And you're right. I, I love, I love the stat. Shout out John. Hey, and, and just, I'm going to tease something a little bit. Mm. John's going to be more uh, prominently featured in, in some stuff that we're doing here at Inside Carolina. I don't want to spoil it. Don't want to get out over the skis, but the man right there just lays it down on these type shows in this type role. Um, I seen a pretty incredible stat, right? It's Greg. Greg Barnes is a big stat guy. John, you pushing Greg for some uh, for some stats there, and I think I think the thing is about that, and this is what, and I want to get into the Georgia Tech, at, you know, the deal with it is they might not play well against Georgia Tech, Adam, but the coaching staff has got to figure out a way to drag this team across the finish line if they do not. You can't promise your players are going to play together and play great every game. But the grown-ups in the room have to be there. What did you take away from listening to Chiswick and Lindsay and Mac on Monday um, in that regard? Because it was a lot of, that's on me, that's on me, that's on me, we'll get it corrected. Um, what was your sense there listening to all of them? I mean, three three old pros at what you're supposed to say. Uh when you're picking up the pieces two days after um, sort of a catastrophic failure. I mean, you know, it, I think I put in, in the Mac packet, I, I said the word predictably, you know, you, you knew Mac was going to fall on the sword. And I think he did it like 15 seconds into, you know, hello everybody. You know, like I think it was, <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching the video back and I thought I was like, Oh yeah. 15 second mark. And, you know, it, that starts with me. Um, man, I think, I thought they said all the right things. Um, you can't go back and win the game now. The game's lost. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting and that there was something I think Chiswick sort of beat us to it. Um, I have wondered if, you know, this is going to be what you saw Virginia do, a, a one in five Virginia team that I think has some a lot of limitations. I wonder if this is what you're gonna see these other opponents do, Georgia Tech do, you know, obviously Haynes King, Haynes King, the Georgia Tech quarterback can move. You know, I wonder if you're gonna see more. Design quarterback runs. Cedric Gray said it today. We definitely think we will. Chizik said it Monday when we were there. I think he made the copycat comment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought just to answer your question, T.A., I thought I thought they said the right stuff, but it's kind of like, you know, it really doesn't mean anything until you actually, like Evan was saying, you actually see who shows up uh, in the dirty, dirty on Saturday night. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's it's wild to think that. This was supposed to be the soft part of the schedule. There's there was no reason. Uh, I mean, there was really no way to think they wouldn't make it into Duke at nine and zero. You know, a nine and zero UNC team going into the final three games of the season, playing for an unbeaten season. I mean, it was that that was in play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought they said all the right things, and you know, I mean, obviously, Max sat down with Chip Lindsay about the running situation because. Right out of the gate, Chip Lindsey was, you know, pointing the finger at himself. Um, so we'll have to see what kind of product shows up for the Tar Heels in Atlanta. Yeah, Mark in the chat says, I want to see the coaching staff tell me how they plan to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, that's what they talked about on Monday. And it's it's to Adam's point, you got to see it. It's got to happen. Um, you know, a lot of people gave 
um, a certain coach in South Beach a lot of grief about a catastrophic <laughs> coaching failure that cost them a game. And, and I think while certainly not quite on that level, it was pretty close. Um, let's look forward to this Georgia Tech game a, good, a little bit. Um, Evan, Adam mentioned Haynes King. He's got a 70-yard touchdown run for a quarterback. And he's not Michael Vick, not Lamar Jackson type, but he can get quick. And uh, Cedric Gray's all over it talking about it. How does North Carolina deal with that, given that Virginia had success doing it? It's a copycat league, like we said, right? But if you copycat it and the other team hasn't stopped it, then there's trouble. What do you think about Haynes King and this North Carolina defense, Evan? Yeah, really quick, one last thing on Musket. Uh, does anyone know how many rushing yards he had coming into the game on the season against you? I'm going to have to bow out. Ad- Adam knows. Evan told me. So let's see. Let's see. I let's looked see. it up beforehand, but I don't know now. I'll well, guess 60, 65. 65 rushing yards. The correct answer was negative 12. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I knew, I knew Saturday night he, he had 66. Saturday night he had 66. He was at minus 12, guys, through six games. Yeah. And he ran for 66. That is pure that that, that is a pure bye week. Let's scrap everything. Yep. Change up everything and throw them something they've never seen. Yep. And uh they paid off for him. So yeah, Just I mean Haynes King's a different animal. Yeah. He can run. No, he and he's he's more of your your true dual threat guy. Uh he's rushed for 372 yards this year, which is second most on Georgia Tech and also second most amongst quarterbacks in the ACC. So he's a real threat on the outside. I mean, I know in the last game, you mentioned that big touchdown run he had. He rushed for 150 yards in that game. Uh, he's an interesting player because he's he's 6'3", about 200 pounds. So he's almost similar to Drake in that he's that wiry, athletic kind of build, not nearly as tall as Drake, but just kind of that same build to him. Uh, the interesting thing when looking at how to defend him is over the past few games, he's really struggled in terms of can keeping control of the ball and ball security. He's thrown, I think, seven of his nine picks in the last three games. So as far as defending Haynes King, the run is going to be something that I think this is a week UNC almost self-scouts and looks at what they did wrong in terms of containing Musket in Virginia, because I'm sure that's a lot of the tape that Georgia Tech will be watching this week when trying to attack this UNC defense. And UNC is going to have to find a way to get a lot of pr- more pressure in the backfield because – when King is pressured, he's had um, issues turning the ball, turning the ball over. Yeah, and I was just thinking as Evan was talking about uh, Haynes King, was anyone surprised? Tommy, John, we got to surprise see UNC's an eleven point favorite on the road in Atlanta after they just totally gagged on that large of a of a spread. Like I, I don't know, I didn't know, I don't know what I expected to see, but I, I was like, damn, eleven. You know, like, that's, yeah, uh, I don't. I, Vegas knows a lot, but I don't think Vegas understands the Super Bowl aspect and the the history aspect. Uh, you know, I don't think they play into that. They look at Bowling Green beat them to death or beat yeah. them by eleven there. Um, you know, they leaked out a Miami game, then they lost to Boston College. Uh, I mean, I think Vegas looks more at that stuff rather than the history of. You know, like Max said, I couldn't believe Max said it, but he might be right. You know, people should pick us to lose down there. <laughs> us sure being Carolina. I was like, wow. 
And I knew as soon as I typed it on the message board thread that it was going to, people were going to be all over it. Um, but I mean, I don't think Vegas sees that aspect, but let's ask John. John, you bet you're going to take Carolina and get up 11 in Atlanta. Uh, that is, that I'm getting is, married one of these days. I mean, he's going to blow the honeymoon money. That's, yeah, that's really. a dangerous number too. That is a dangerous number. I do think Vegas is trying to be forward looking. They're trying to be predictive, um, but they're also their Vegas's goal is to put a number out there that gets some action. So a lot of people are going to see 11 and they're going to see, Hey, you know what? That's North of a touchdown after what happened last week. Um, so I actually go the other way. I try not to engage too much in any of that stuff. Cause it's, it's all dangerous, especially when you're betting on UNC football week to week. We, we just saw what happened last week with that. Couldn't yeah. You want to, you want to do the uh, Johnny t-shirt read since you've been nailing it lately. Oh, Tommy. It was it was awfully cold outside today, Tommy. And you know what I had wish I had done? I wish I had gone to Johnny T-shirt and picked up a jacket because it's fall weather. There's a few more home games left in the year. Basketball season is starting. You need to refresh your wardrobe of UNC gear. You need to do it at Johnny T-shirt. They support Inside Carolina. They support this podcast and all the podcasts that we do. Uh, They're locally owned and operated. They have a store on Franklin Street as well. So if you're in town uh, for the Campbell game or ahead of the Duke game or anytime you're in Chapel Hill, be sure to stop by, get up, uh, get some of the latest UNC gear. Uh, We're going to take a break here at 928 Eastern. Uh, We're going to let the national guys pay the bills, as Tommy always says. We'll be right back (laughs) with another half of On the Beat Live here from Inside Carolina. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, boys, welcome back to On The Beat Live. John Bowman is, he's trying to take our jobs, fellas. Um, so smooth. He, so he, can't smooth. Take, he can't take y'all's because y'all are the beat guys. He can take mine because I'm just the host <laughs> of this stuff. And, and John, you're setting up well. Um, I, I will say this, Johnny T-shirt was having a, a 25% off sale this week on hats and those hats include toboggans or what i call toboggans i don't know what skull caps beanies whatever people call the warm things you put on your head they've always been toboggans to me from johnston county but they are on sale i was looking at them before we went on air about to snag me some gear at johnny t-shirt all right let's talk about this game now 11 point favorite carolina has struggled is it a bounce-back game? It feels like it could be either a blowout or a loss to me. What do you think, Evan? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, Pandora's box. I mean, I just, 
It just feels like it would be the most Carolina thing to go and beat the hell out of Georgia Tech after what they did last week. And I almost think that the loss to Virginia helps that become possible even more than maybe it would have if they'd leaked past Virginia. I would agree with that if this game was at 12 or 3.30. I think with it being a night game, not that – I mean, I'm sure – people out there like what difference does that make but just something about night games and and unc i think it's going to end up being a pretty close game that comes down to maybe the final quarter um i'm not going to go off and say who i think is going to win because yet yet but (laughs) i would be very surprised if after what the questioning has been like throughout this week and when you look back at the eva game plan that Amarian Hampton is not heavily involved Saturday night. If you look at Georgia Tech's run defense, oh, we're yeah. talking about how porous the Cavaliers were in run defense. Uh, Georgia Tech takes the cake in that department. They're allowing 227 rushing yards per game, which is dead last in the ACC and second worst in the entire country, owing to the North Texas, what are they, Mean Green down there? Former, yep, stomping, former stomping grounds of offensive line coach Randy Clements. So Seth O'Trail was at North Texas too, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Didn't he yep. go down there? Yep. So I think it would be very surprising if Hampton doesn't get at least 25-plus carries, if not even more than that. Tommy, I can run the ball like the first nine times. He's going to run. I mean, Georgia Tech could build a brick wall and roll it out. They could roll the rambling wreck car out there and put it, and North Carolina's going to run into it. They're going to run that damn football early. (laughs) What if if UNC ran the triple option on Georgia Tech? I'm just kidding. Right, Paul Johnson. (laughs) Back from the dead, yeah. What's up, John? One of the things I I wasn't going to bring up this point, one of the things I was going to say is maybe bring back the wildcat i know that sounds crazy to say but that's that's we can save that for a later second i'll tell you what i'm going to keep an eye out for uh against georgia tech i'm going to keep a close eye on the snap counts at wide receiver for unc because one of the things that i was looking at from the untrained eye you know i'd have to really go back and look at the film um, but it looked (laughs) like tez walker and, and jj jones were getting a little tired out there especially in the fourth quarter Drake may had some time on that last drive. It's a little bit of a scramble drill type situation where you kind of have to be the energizer bunny and find space on the field. And, you know, I think, you know, Tez Walker played 80 snaps against Virginia. J.J. Jones played 78 snaps. Mac Brown has talked about building up depth at wide receiver. Uh, that's not something that UNC has really been able to do throughout the season. Um, but that's something I'm really going to be keeping an eye on. We know that Tez Walker is a dominant, dominant receiver. So no one's saying that he played poorly at all, anything like that. I'm just saying he played so much. It looked like he might have been a little bit tired maybe on that last drive. UNC was putting a lot on his shoulders, and I'd like to see them sub more. You know, John, I couldn't help but wonder. You're talking about the wide receivers. I couldn't help but wonder uh, with Nate McCollum losing all sense of being able to catch the ball, the drops he had, just unreal. Um, by the way, I wasn't I, I wasn't even planning on mentioning this, but I just say everything that comes to my mind. Uh, one of my best friends of all time um, was uh, texting me late last night. Uh, he's the greatest guy ever, runs a, a tire shop here in Mebane, North Carolina. And he told me that 
the suggestion was out there that that Nate was dropping passes on purpose because he hadn't got his NIL money. Uh, Jesus, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. But I mean, it's wild just to see where this stuff comes from. So I, I texted him back. I was like, "So he threw the game, um, you know." But anyway, I was gonna say that you know, like I think it was there was a guy, Randy M in the in the comments. We've had a lot of great comments tonight, by the way. These guys are insightful. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to suspects, I'm trying to snag them too. I mean, really, the usual suspects. Jordan Falls has been all over it. Garrett Chapman's always all over it. My guy Jonathan Triplehorn. I did think Rucker was going to kill me, uh, Jonathan. There. For that was a that was the most classic press but, conference ending ever. But folks, if I, you haven't I was, watched, I got to tell them again, Adam. <laughs> if folks, if you haven't watched Cayman Rucker's post Virginia, watch it. You know, it's the typical press conference. Um, Cayman's you know doing his job, answering the question. He's obviously not very pleased to be there. Understandable. And then Evan has the last question after he'd already started walking off. <laughs> it was me. It wasn't Evan, unfortunately. Oh, oh yes, it. Uh, Adam, sorry, yeah. Evan. I was trying to get the young guy killed. Adam says, uh, "So Cayman, uh, you can go." The, <laughs> <laughs> the look was classic. Yeah, I mean, I didn't appreciate the look, but I guess he didn't appreciate the. Uh, <laughs> is, does, is, will Cayman Rucker apologize to me? Am I am I going to get an apology from it's him? It's typical mo from Carolina to apologize on any. Anything, right? so yeah, I, I think you should. But no. hey, a lot better than uh, USC, who did not make players available after their loss to. Uh, I actually said that to Drake today, guys. Mm-hmm. When when Drake came to see us today, I actually said, I mean, you know, Drake, he always keeps it light. Uh, we we're talking to him before we started rolling. And I said, look, man, thanks for showing up the other night. Uh, and, you know, and and I didn't say and not shooting a death stare through my body. Um, <laughs> but you know, and he he was, you know, he knew that we were referencing usc you know i was like i don't want to speak for the group drake but you know i know sometimes you don't have to show up and we appreciate you doing that and he's he was cool we had a nice little conversation about it uh just the usc debacle it's Um, part of being there i mean if you're gonna stand up and you're gonna be happy and talk and cheer and and say all these things after you win you got to be there when you lose too and drake he definitely understands that and i thought i thought that you know that's that's a cool moment you guys had, even though I wasn't there. But hearing about it, that's pretty cool. It was. And Drake cool. talks. In, in my defense, I, I try to listen to what these guys say. I mean, really listen to them. And we heard Rucker say right before that, Rucker was sort of rolling through sort of like a checklist or a things of what we have to do going on from here. And he said whether it's this, whether it's that, whether and he said whether it's positivity on the sideline. And for whatever reason, my old ears perked up at that. And so I was going to ask him something along the lines of, do you think you guys got too negative? Like, which is understandable. You get mad when stuff ain't going your way. Uh, I was going to ask him something along those lines because he had just said it. And I guess I didn't get it out quick enough because he was ready to leave and he got to leave. So, uh, you know, like that's, but in my defense, that's what I heard him say that. And I was like, well, let's, maybe we could get some clarification on what you mean by that, Cayman. Um, and it's very relevant too, right? After what we saw last year at times, and I thought your question to said today, um, Cedric's great at answering questions. The growth he's had on the field is one thing. The growth he's had at behind the mic is pretty impressive for him. But I mean, he he said, of course, he didn't feel like it got to the point of being negative or you know yelling at, at each other, you know, directly. But yeah, I mean, it's natural to be to get fired up at each other on the sidelines. So I certainly think it was a valid question. One that probably tough to answer at the 
right after the heat of the battle, but a valid question nonetheless. So yeah, I think you need an apology. <laughs> I was joking about that. <laughs> but yeah, we do not hurt our beat writer. Okay. I'm too old to do that stuff. I do not need to be called in the middle of the night and said, uh, uh, Adam just got taken out by the defensive lineman. Um, it can be, you step what would it up? be, upper or lower body, I guess? Upper, <laughs> probably. You, you'd be the first whole body. Right. <laughs> out definitely instead of out indefinitely. Yeah. <laughs> out for good. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing I thought was an interesting discussion you had today was John Copenhaver. I, yeah. I, thought, I thought he was uh, pretty interesting discussing his injury and things like that. I don't think people realize – the importance of that injury on Drake himself, because we saw Cope become a guy, you know, at times, especially against South Carolina, and he's out there catching that touchdown pass against South Carolina with a broke hand, uh, which was news because I thought he broke it on that play. But anyway, just speak to to that and that growth from him and that importance for him to get back into it because he's a sure-handed guy. Um but he needs to be sure two-handed guy to be able to step up and really help Drake. Any word on when that might happen? He's getting closer. Well, I, th- I think if you correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I haven't gone back and listened to it, listened to it since we were there, but uh, you know, he's saying he still has pain. I think he said, you know, he's still, I mean, obviously you break your hand. Good God. Uh, you know, like, but I talking to him today, I mean, it's still, you know, you feel like it happened a long time ago. And you feel like since he's not wearing that club like he's playing for the Oakland Raiders of the 1970s or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, the thing looked like a big Q-tip, I thought. Yeah, it looked like he had a Q-tip on the end of his hand. But, um, you know, it, it, you sort of in your mind, you're like, oh, he's out of the club. Oh, you can see his fingers. Oh, he's catching passes. He's fine. And he had a – what was it, the Miami game? He had a huge game down the sideline where he broke a couple tackles. Jim Hawkins got a great photo of it. The, the sideline's going crazy. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to talk to him today and like, you know, like I say, I think he's still dealing with some pain. Uh, he, he walks around when we're there at the football center, he walks around with a brace on his hand. Um, and you know, I think it's, you know, it might be one of those things where it's not right until the the season is over, but, and, and something else, uh, is how it affects his blocking, you know, cause I think he's been regarded as, sort of a complete more you know sort of a complete product whereas Nesbitt all obviously is just such a talent in the passing game such a matchup nightmare I do think that they Bryson Nesbitt's blocking has need to improve but I think Copenhaver sort of gives you the the full the blocking and and the pass catching and the run after the catch he's great after the catch um so yeah it's like you know these these are things you don't think about when a team rolls out to six and zero or rolls out to nine and one like last year. You know there there are these things you don't think about because they're winning. But that has been an issue that that he's had to navigate, and I can't even imagine what it's like trying to play a violent sport like football with a broken hand. Yeah, yeah, and that Adam gets me to a point I wanted to bring up tonight. What does it take for UNC to have one of these special seasons? We've talked so much about. What it takes is that the team has to stay really healthy. I think when you look back at 2015, that team was blessed with really good health throughout the entire season. And you kind of look back at this UNC team this year, you think, you know, for the most part, they've stayed pretty clean, but Lampkin has missed some games. Mm -hmm. They lost a starter at the star position, Boykins, at the start of the season. 
you know, there's been uh, some injuries in the special teams areas. Uh, Kobe Pesor, of course, is hurt for the year. So this happens to every single team kind of as the year goes along. Um, but it's something that I'm closely keeping an eye on, just the overall health of the team um, as we proceed through the season. You know, last year, the, the season really changed when those two edge uh, defenders, Noah Taylor and Desmond oh, Evans, yeah. went out. That really changed the complexion of the defense. Um, so I'm kind of keeping an eye on that. Uh, I think Copenhaver is another name to mention there. That's why I thought of it, because it's not really been heavily reported, but losing him as a pass catcher and a blocker definitely has impacted this offense uh, throughout the first half of the season. And that yeah, brings us back to, to the, the Nate McCollum thing. Like, I was thinking during the game the other night, like, I wonder what, what this would look like if Kobe Pesor was healthy. And, like, would they just pull – they did pull him for Doc Chapman some, but they would they just pull him and stick Kobe Pesor in the slot. You know what I mean? Like, if he was, if he was available, would that, would that have happened? Yeah, I mean, you saw that happen when Blackwell against South Carolina dropped a couple of balls. Now, eventually went back to him at the end of the game or, or late in the game, but they don't have anybody to take out. And, and you know, it's kind of like they were talking about, like Lindsey was talking about, you, you kind of assume that we're going to do what we do and it's going to work out, but you didn't have an option. I mean, when you look at Carolina's wide receiver depth, we talked about this, if they get Walker – they get McCullum healthy and Walker gets back out there. Then this ridiculous receiver depth mm-hmm. plus three tight ends. And now, you know, you're basically missing Copenhaver. Um, he's out there, but it's not the same. You've got Kobe down. And, and then you've got other guys. You know, Doc Chapman made a play and all. But you've got other guys that hadn't really stepped up as much. J.J. Jones had some drop issues against, I believe he had two of the six against Virginia. So when you don't have the depth, not only the depth to keep people fresh, but the depth to, you know, sometimes it's better to go over there and watch it. You know, if you're struggling, go watch for a minute. You can't do that if you're a coaching staff and you don't have anybody else put out there. And uh, it's all relative. And it's all, and to your point, Adam, which is a great point, you don't notice it when you're winning. The coaches (laughs) might say they do, and they do, and they notice everything, but the players don't really wrap their heads around it until somebody comes up and snatches one from them. That's what Virginia was able to do. I've got a couple questions in the chat. Travis Cook, you were hot in the chat on the day after um, blowing it up, but I will throw a question up here from you. Speak to the defensive line play. Adam, I think one of the reasons Rucker was not pleased to be there, and like I said, rightfully so, don't blame him, is the defensive line got pushed around against Virginia. Yeah more so than they have in a while. It was surprising. It was, it was, we, we were talking about it the other day, TA, most rushing yards UNC has given up in 14 games. Um, it was, it's the most, most an opponent has had against Carolina since Duke, the Duke win in Durham last October. Um, and I mean, yeah, like I went back and looked and I, like Clemson ran for no yards on Carolina in the ACC championship game. Like I think Will Shipley had like 16 yards or something, you know, because I was expecting you go back and you start looking, and you're like, well, this might be one where they gave up a lot. Like they didn't give up a ton of rushing yards at all to Clemson. Um, so yeah, uh, the defensive line play, and it's and it, I feel like the defensive line has been one of the bright spots of this group. Would you guys agree? Uh, yeah, percent. It's amazing how the Tim Cross talk really stopped, <laughs> and then the Tim Cross stopped. That's one thing about. 
the fandom and the message boards and all that stuff that's fascinating to me and it's part of it and I get it is the how the different talking points shift and change depending on whether they win or losing. Yeah. And you can see the collective after they lose to Virginia, everybody thinks, Oh, here we go again. You know, and it's not one person and in general it's not one person specifically, it's just like the wave of talking points. And I guess it's the same way with the media as well. You got media blasting off on Carolinas and all that, but it's just a fascinating thing. And like I said, on the day after it's one game, they've got an opportunity to rectify that and sort of play more free to some, I guess that was Michael Coe asking those questions. I did like what Armani Chapman said about that though. He said, it's more pressure. It's still pressure because now you don't have a safety net. You now no, you can no margin for error, right? Yeah, there's no coastal division where you can cruise in at a smooth five and three and play an SEC <laughs> championship game. John, get in here. Tommy, to that point, I think this is a really interesting question. I'm gonna send this one to Evan. We send him all the hard questions. Chris <laughs> Chris asks, uh, would UNC fans all be happy with six and one? Uh, but nobody wanted the one to be UVA. So do you think that uh, you know, taking stock of the season? You know, if you're six and one with a loss to a Miami or to a Syracuse or to a South Carolina, things look a lot different. But just it's the fact that the one came against UVA. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, even Mac, I think, brought it up in his press conference Monday talking about the idea of, you know, if you had told us at the beginning of the year, we'd be six and one through seven games I'm in 17th in the country. Everyone would be really happy. But I think all these kinds of arguments go back to whether you're a fan, you're a player, you're a coach, you have to readjust your expectations as the year goes on. And this was the same talking point last year when the team started off nine and one and finished nine and five. And everyone was like, Oh, at the beginning of the year, if you had told us UNC was going to go nine and five and play in the ACC title game, I think everyone would be happy, but it's, it's again, the idea of you have to readjust your expectations. So yeah, I think, it's an interesting point to bring up. Like the idea of being six and one is a good thing to think about. But when you look at this team and how they've played through each game, you know, one through six, I think it's kind of the expectation should have been seven and oh. And like Adam said, the expectation really should have been nine and oh going into a Duke game when you reevaluate and you readjust your expectations. So I think it's all. I don't want to go too hard here. It's almost like wishful thinking in a way when you kind of use that logic of if you had told me this X amount of months ago, we'd be in this position, I would be happy with it. You have to readjust your expectations in anything. And I think that holds true for UNC in this case. Yeah, I said that a lot last year in the press conferences. And, you know, it was like we're playing an ACC championship game, period. You know, fans should be happy with that. I agree 100% with re re adjusting your expectations um, because if you're trying to be one and oh every week then you shouldn't be happy with six and one because you had a week that you did not do what you were supposed to do and, and so that that's an interesting thing um you know l looking forward here north carolina's got a tough one saturday i won't make y'all do predictions for that unless y'all just want to do that but ross is in the chat talking about the rest of the season i predicted 10 and 2 going into the season and I stand by it. And I told somebody in the restroom at Keenan Stadium. <laughs> I mean, I love I love folks hitting me up, but I'm, I need to have my peace in the bathroom. 
I said, I said 10 and two. I said 10 and two. I said 10 and two. Now let me use the bathroom. But, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, folks. That's shouldn't bring that up. But, um, how good is Evan, by the way? I mean, what yes, a, change the subject. Evan, I you're mean, wonderful. The kid. I love the kid. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could say this guy reminds me of me at 20. It does not. I mean, I was an absolute Stop moron. Then. <laughs> uh, you know, just great point. You do. Have you know, that. Evan, I'm in the bowls lot and people are coming up saying, uh, is Evan going to be here? Yeah. Is Evan, where's Evan? I'm <laughs> not lying. Somebody came up to me and, um, I can't remember her Gosh. name and I, and I wish her. I did. Um, she came up to me and gave us a hug, talked about, she loves the show. And then she said, so where's Jason Staples? Like we're not good enough, you know. <laughs> now they're doing it for Evan. I mean, Jesus, Evan, you're a rock star, man. Along those lines, John sent me a hilarious <laughs> comment from uh, the last on the beat. <laughs> Someone commented, I think, on the message board saying, "Does Evan Rogers look like he could be another May brother?" Uh, so I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or not. But that's interesting. I, I, I will say this: you would probably change your mind when you you see me in person and and see that I'm a, a tick under six foot tall. I'm not necessarily the same height as all those guys but i do great framing evan great framing tick under six tick under tall, rather than saying oh i'm 511 which I'm, is what I'm, you probably I'm, are i am 511 <laughs> uh well really i'm 510 and three quarters i tell people i'm 511 when i wake up on the right side of the bed and there hasn't been a day <laughs> in my life where i haven't woken up on that side of the bed so i'm 511 the fifth may brother does that does five eleven make you a short king? Probably not. That's uh, I like to tell people I am above the national average. Uh, yeah. So I do like to tell people I'm not necessarily tall, but I'm not short. Uh, so let's get let's get Evan. He's turning red on us. Adam, how how does this week play out? Play out? How do you see this Carolina team coming out against Georgia Tech? We're not going to talk about a score if, unless you want to offer one. But when when do you think we will know? if it's a one-off or a problem on Saturday night? Uh, I'm going to say we'll know if it's a one-off or a problem um, with three minutes left in the first quarter. I mean, that's what I'll say. I don't know why that occurs to me, but that's what we're doing. Hey, you want to score? My score for the UV game was terrible. I think I had 41-14. Yeah, really. A little wrong on that one, guys. Um I would say, I'm going to say, I'll give you a score. Why not? It's going to be UNC 37, uh, the rambling record Georgia Tech 23. And Carolina wins to move to 7-1. and one. And if you'd have told them they'd be 7-1 and one at the start of the year, no, I'm just playing. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, do we, do we see an angry Carolina team? Do we see, you know, Drake May unleashing Thunderbolts? You know, like, what was the deal with – I mean, Drake was victimized by so many drops, but, man, some of those throws he had, I mean, I don't know if it's the timing or the route or what. That was Drake May's lowest completion percentage as Carolina's quarterback the other night, uh, 24 for 48, 50%, which, I mean, we know the guy was – it was completing like 70% of his passes. Um, I don't know who shows up for Carolina. I mean, they're going to have to keep Haynes King from – Running around like freaking Doug Flutie, I know that. Um, so I'm saying 37-23. That could be dead wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. It's gonna be a late night down there, and you know, God with knows. the ATL skyline in the background. Those Tommy. uh eight o'clock. Let, let me ask Evan a, a question in the chat because I promised I would ask this one. 
Uh, Evan, did you see Carolina was last in the ACC in punting? And who runs out there to punt the first ball, or does Mac just say we're going for it every fourth down? Is it Cole Maynard or Tom I, McGinnis? I haven't looked at the stat, but I kind of assumed UNC was probably going to be last. I think they might have been last before McGinnis even got hurt or through the Miami game. There was, I think Taylor Viplis had told me during one game that they were last in punting. Um, I think, yeah, and I mean, it, it almost becomes if you're around midfield and you're facing a fourth and maybe four or less, three or less, it might become four down territory. Almost every every series from here on out, uh, I, I would assume Cole Maynard probably comes out as the first punter, just because I think it's really going to be really tough for Tom McGinnis to kind of get any kind of confidence back, especially when you've got a punt that goes 16 yards. I mean, that's that's a pretty brutal beat um, to have out there, and I think that was one of the the bigger storylines of the game that maybe. I don't think it's really gotten swept under the rug. I think people realize it, but it's not something that people are really talking about just because there's been so many other talking points with the run game and other things along that nature. But field position wise, I think on three of the four scoring drives that Virginia had, they started with field position at like the 50 yard line or better. I think one of the scoring drives, they started like their own 49. So basically midfield and one of the field goal drives, uh, they started at like the 34 or something the like 16 that. The 16-yard punt they had, Evan, the 16-yard punt McGinnis had, Virginia did not gain a first down on possession when they took over. I think they gained six yards, and they kicked a field goal. Yeah. And it was the field goal, I believe, to go ahead. or No, to tie it. To tie yeah, it. it. Yeah. Tie it at 24. Right. Yeah. So it didn't even get a damn first down, and they still – it was a scoring drive. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't a turnover. It was a punt. You know, Carolina yards. just didn't fumble it or throw an interception. Get in how, here, John. How about, how about the punt coverage on that 16-yarder real quick where you had a guy jump over the ball when it was bouncing back the wrong way? But anyways. Grenade. <laughs> I, I actually have a stat for this. Tom McGinnis has punted uh, 11 times this season. His yards per attempt is 35.8. So that's a relatively he- healthy sample size, 11 punts. Uh, a punter with a higher yards per attempt than him, Drake May, who has one punt <laughs> for 36 yards. So I think that should show you right oh, there. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, that's not very nice. In Tom McGinn, of, I, I hate it for McGinnis because he's yes. a great guy and he gets thrown out there. I mean, how many times does your punter get lost for the season? Yes, I, I don't mean yeah. to be to me mean. He's he's got a bright future ahead of him, I'm sure. But that is we'll not come back to this in two years. That is not what you want from your punter. Your punter should never have a lower yards per attempt than your starting quarterback. I, I think that sums it up. To the really, point is really North Carolina point. dead last in the ACC in net punting at mm. 34, right below Virginia at 34 and a half. So uh, it's been a rough go of it. There, credit to Noah Burnett, who's been kicking his rear end off on field goals and extra points. Um, but kickoffs is another matter, and that's that's another issue. My my side chat there, yes, Adam, that that stat is accurate. Carolina um, gave up 186 or 184, 186 yards of hitting yardage to Virginia in that game, and you lose the way you lose. That's Sorry. interesting about the punters really quick. Um, McGinnis and Kiernan both did the rugby style kind of a punt where it gives your team a little bit extra time to get down in, in punt coverage. 
whereas Maynard does like the tr- traditional like one two step and then boom it. So I think if there was a week where Maynard would get the starting knot, it would be after a full week of prep where you probably have to adjust some of your things when it comes to punt coverage. Because as we know, it's not like UNC's kickoff or punt coverage has necessarily been the greatest this season. And when you're trying to maybe implement a punter who's getting the ball off quicker than a guy that does that rugby style where you take you know a couple steps to the side, you're going to have to look at how to adapt to that to make sure you're not giving up punt returns because Maynard's punts were were not close to the UVA's punter who were kicking absolute sky bombs up in the air last uh, Saturday night. And the thing about rugby punts is if the if the guy comes up and catches it, the rugby aspect of it is totally gone because you're rugby punting because you want it to roll. And if they're able to field it or you kick it out of bounds, it is uh it is not a, a good way to do it. It's it's an interesting thing in Carolina. That's another one of those areas. If you you lose the special teams you put the game in jeopardy i'm gonna throw a couple questions up here rapid fire what kind of game does mccullum have against his old team talk to him prior to the season for the hills for life interview and he was it's safe to say he was looking forward to the opportunity to play in his old team it's crazy he had the game he had against virginia i would expect him to have a big bounce back game i think we all can agree on that uh, i mean you expect him to come out on fire uh Jordan Falls says snap counts on the defensive line. I couldn't believe 85 86 yeah. for Rucker in that game. I mean and real quick on McCollum, Drake said today cuz we were asking him about it that Nate sent him a text Sunday night like, "Hey, you know, I've got you. We're still Drake always talks about how much he loves Nate McCollum." Like, yeah. I mean, he I mean, Drake likes everybody, but that was interesting they said him and McCollum were texting Saturday night after the game and then McCollum seemed pretty um What's the word? Determined. He did not mention not having his NIL money to Drake. Drake did not. Uh, <laughs> Drake didn't report any of that. But I thought that was kind of an interesting nugget. They were talking about it a couple hours after the game. Yeah, his uh, he he his controller. He had bad batteries in his controller. He'll get that fixed <laughs> for all the Madden players that are Madden offensive coordinators out there. Um, that was a good one, I thought. Y'all didn't even laugh. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't play video games. If Carolina can still win the ACC, where you send it, still see them ending up as far as a bowl game, I mean, if they win out and win the ACC championship, I think they're in the playoff. Or, or it would be close. Um, Going to need a lot of help. I'll say uh, what happens. welcome to Miami. They would be yeah. in the Orange Bowl. Okay. Yeah. And I think, and I think, if they go to the ACC championship game and lose to Florida State or or whoever it may be, as long as it's Florida State, I think they're in the Orange Bowl in that scenario as well too. Uh, And a New Year's Six bowl game would be, I mean, that's pretty dang good accomplishment. Yeah, two Orange Bowls between here and there. Snap count, we hit that. Was the was the pancake holding call a correct call? Uh, that TD getting called back. Look, I don't argue about refers, refs and officiating. Uh, I mean, kind of is what it is. Didn't it reminded like me of the me. Georgia Tech game last year. Same. Thing oh, absolutely, happened. absolutely. Yeah. Exact same. Was it? It was Who was it in that game last year? Nesbit. Nesbit got right. run over in the Georgia Tech game. I mean, he got trucked. They called him for holding. Elijah Green was hitting a home run, like 70, 75 yard. Touchdown run. He got trucked. He just held on to the guy as he was going. I mean, he got squashed, and they called holding. Yeah, I think so. this is different. I mean, that was Morales. What didn't they send Morales in motion, and he sort of tackled the guy? Is that 
he that- blocked he chit, he blocked him and the guy fell over and he fell over on top of him is what I could see. I couldn't see whether he was holding him or not. I didn't watch it on TV. I was in the stands. Um, and I do every time I'm in the stands and I see a long touchdown, first thing I do is look back for flags. Mm. And, and there it rested. Anything left, guys? We're over an hour. Shout out to the 199. Before we do this, I've got to talk about congruity. I always wait to the end because it's important that people remember this is the last thing they've heard from us. North Carolina-based company, they're national brand, but they're from North Carolina, and they wanted to partner with Inside Carolina because they know how important local and good support is for Inside Carolina, what it means for us and what it means for our fan base and our readership and our listenership. You can get your impact, your small and mid-sized business empowered with HR and payroll outsourcing so you can handle growing your business and they handle the wonderful people of your business. People make everything go. Congruity handles that aspect of it so you can grow the business. Top of the line technology, state-of-the-art online platform. They're obsessed with customer service. They wouldn't be a part of Inside Carolina if they weren't obsessed with customer service and they knock it out of the park there. Darren and Matt and their team, just wonderful. And then they can transform your organization into this and they can blow it off the map and it can be just a wonderful small to mid-sized business and make you and take you to the top in that aspect of it so do this for me just the last thing you do go to congruityhr.com front slash tar heels fill out the online form get your free assessment they offer a free assessment see what you need see what they can do for you and if you're an inside carolina person you go to that link congruityhr.com front slash tar heels they'll take care of it for free and get you going any last thoughts adam who do you think shows up in atlanta tommy i do not know to be honest with you i I feel like i've said before that this we'd find out more about this team these two weeks than we would in the past six and they've got one more of those two weeks to to try to figure it out my sense is Losing to Virginia will have them on fire next Saturday night. Um, I wouldn't have thought that if they'd have just beaten Virginia barely. But yeah. I do think Georgia Tech's going to be tough. People can point to Bowling Green and all this, but Georgia Tech, something about that team gets up and plays teams well. They handled Miami's offensive line and defensive line um, and were able to to get that miracle at the end. Um, but I don't know. Who do you think, Adam? I mean, I feel like it's going to be – I don't know why I keep saying angry Carolina team, but, um, you know, I like, you know, I, I just feel like – I felt like they were pissed about how it – how it didn't go right against UVA. I think that – I think the losing the unbeaten, what, status or – prestige is not the right word, but I think something about not being unbeaten really they, – they did not like that. I think they wanted – I mean, I know everyone, if you're playing freaking – peewee basketball like i know everyone doesn't want to lose but i think there was something really about being unbeaten and being up there in the top 10 that this group of guys really was fired up about it um i know that's supposed to show up in your performance but i think it bothered them um but yeah now now you're picking up the pieces and seeing seeing what you can take down to atlanta so i don't know i feel like I feel like it could be uh, sort of a, a breathing fire type situation, but I could be totally wrong about that. I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll be interested to see. Evan, what you think before we get out of here? Uh, I'll just have to say, I think this is the game at the end of the year that people are going to point to as 
the tipping point this season, whether for good or for bad. Not the UVA game. I think this game is really the one that's going to hold a lot of weight about how these last, I guess if you count the Campbell game, four regular season games go. I think if, if UNC comes in and wins this game, I think there's a good chance, and I think they would win at least 10 games in the regular season. And I think if UNC loses this game, I would be surprised if they won more than eight games in the regular season, to be honest. I, I don't see how they get... I mean, I think they would get the Campbell game to seven if they, in the event they lost to Georgia Tech, but I think they would probably go one and two in that final stretch if they were to lose the game to Georgia Tech. So I think this game is the big, I don't know, keystone game or whatever you want to call it in terms of how this season's going to finish. And in the wise words of, of Tommy Ashley, it's a must win. <laughs> I think it is. John, any random stat that you have that we haven't covered because you always bring them. UNC is plus eight in turnover margin. That's eighth in the country. That's a good number. My only call out, it's also a warning. If UNC starts to lose the turnover battle in some of these games, watch out. That's my that's my uh, closing thought. That'll do it for this edition of On the Beat. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Shout out to Adam Smith who is on the fast track to Charlotte to cover North Carolina at Media Day, ACC Media Day, so check out his content on that. Evan Rogers knocking out articles after articles. No football press conferences tomorrow, so there won't be any updates on that as they are off to Atlanta later in the week. They defer to North Carolina basketball tomorrow. John Bowman, as always, producing it. I'm Tommy Ashley. Appreciate everybody just joined us. Everybody stay safe. If you're going to Atlanta, have a safe trip. If you're not going to Atlanta, join us on Inside Carolina Live pregame. Join us on the game plan Thursday night. We'll have some things to talk about game plans with Jason and Greg. As always, folks, thanks a ton. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.